Today is Wednesday, May 10th. The title for our devotional is The Armor of God. Yesterday, we spent some time clarifying our picture of how the Bible talks about evil spiritual beings. Today, let's take a look at how Paul teaches us to fight against these evil spiritual beings. Ephesians 6, 10-20 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. First, we note that Paul says, when the day of evil comes. He doesn't say if, but when. This could refer to a special day of hardship and trial in a Christian's life that one must be prepared for, or it more likely refers to just this final era of evil, which is now present in the world, but we have not yet experienced in full. The passage then goes on to describe the different pieces of the armor of God that we need to put on in order to stand firm in the faith. Each of these pieces of armor represents a different aspect of our faith and spiritual life that we need to strengthen us in order to fight the spiritual battles we face. Remember, we're fighting with the armor of God that God has given us, and our strength is in the Lord and in his mighty power in verses 1 and 2. We could go overboard with this analogy, of course, but let's just briefly examine each one and its significance for our wrestling with the enemy. First is the belt of truth. Satan primarily works through the tools of deception. Jesus tells us that he is a liar and there is no truth in him in John 8, 44-45. So the truth then is vitally important to combat his lies. Like a fraud agent studies the real currency so that he can spot any and every fraud, we must know the truth of God so well that we can spot any and every lie that the enemy attacks us with. This includes lies about ourselves. As we saw last week, we must not believe that we are more than God says we are, and we must not believe that we are less than God says we are. Second is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is obviously important as it protects vital organs. The righteousness here could either refer to our righteousness in Christ, as Paul clearly teaches in his letter to the Romans, or our just right living. Just as all the others, things like truth, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, are gifts from God, remember it's God's armor and we're fighting in the power of Christ, I would take righteousness here to be a gift from God as well. The breastplate that protects the, our vital organs from the attack of the enemy is the glorious truth, glorious truth that our righteousness is not in our own actions, but in the righteousness imputed to us by faith in Christ. Satan will try to convince us otherwise. He'll tell us that we are unworthy of God's grace. He will tell us that our sins have disqualified us from God's family. In the face of these lies, we can stand on the truth that our righteousness is not in ourselves, but in Christ. Third is the shoes of the gospel of peace. In the gospel, God has reconciled us to himself and one another. He has made peace through Christ's death on the cross. Whereas Satan sows division, God sows peace through Christ's death on the cross and the unity of the Holy Spirit. 
Next is the shield of faith. Paul emphasizes the shield by saying, in addition to all this, and by telling us its function, which is to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith is vitally important in Ephesians. In his commentary on Ephesians, Frank Thielman writes, Faith in the gospel's witness to Christ Jesus is the means by which Paul's readers are saved, have access to God, and have Christ dwelling in their hearts. The common faith of Paul's readers binds them together in unity. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul tells us that our faith as an extension of God's whole work of salvation in a believer is a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8-9, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. Again, this armor that we fight with in this battle against the enemy is all given to us by God. It's God's armor that he has gifted us with. Fifth is the helmet of salvation. Paul puts the last two in a new sentence with the verb translated here, take. This verb's primary meaning is to receive something offered or transmitted by another. In this sense, then, take, I think, is an unfortunate translation. But it means more like take up or take in hand or receive, unless go get it and take it. God has saved us and redeemed us from our sin, as we read in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. In our salvation, we are assured that we are united with Christ. So we need to be assured that we are united with Christ through the Father's plan of salvation, through Christ's work on the cross and the Spirit's confirmation indwelling the believer. We cannot lose our salvation, so we must rest assured that this work of the Godhead is true and is fulfilled in us. Sixth is the sword of the Spirit. The sword is not the Spirit. (laughs) The sword is the Word of God, which is sourced in the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who has inspired the Word of God. The Spirit is the one who brings the Word to mind and confirms the truth of it in our life as believers. So the Spirit is essential in the administration and effectiveness of God's Word. This is the only offensive weapon that Paul mentions, the word of God, like the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth in Revelation 19 to vanquish the enemies of God, is the weapon Christians are to use in fighting the schemes of the enemy. The word here could have two possible meanings. First, it could refer to the general words of God. In this sense, then, it is similar to Jesus in the wilderness temptation of Matthew 4. He quotes scripture in response to Satan's attacks. It's not as if Jesus doesn't have power in himself to tell Satan to shove off, but he's setting an example of how the power of God's word and how we need it to defeat the attacks of the enemy. The word, however, could also be referring to just the gospel in general, the story of God's redemption of his people and creation as a whole. If this is the case, the meaning is similar to the shoes of the gospel of peace and the truth in salvation. Again, the emphasis would be on how important it is to hold the gospel of God's reconciling work. In my view, I think it's better to hold the word here as just a general reference to the word of God. Uh, I think what Paul's doing is playing on Isaiah 11.4, which you can reference later, but both are probable. Okay. Finally, we are called to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. (laughs) It's pretty comprehensive in scope, right? Prayer is then our weapon of standing against the enemy that filters through all of our other weapons. Our prayer is to be in the spirit, Paul writes. This could refer to prayer in the sphere of the spirit, Uh, This would be prayers like in tongues or the Spirit praying for us when we don't know what to say in Romans 8.26 or simply an awareness of the Spirit within us. could also simply refer to prayer that the Spirit empowers uh, all of our prayer as we have the Holy Spirit and we're communicating with God. We can't communicate with God without the Holy Spirit of God. So I think the second is likely to be preferred here. Reflection time today. I'm sure one of those elements of the armor of God kind of stuck out 
to you. So just meditate on that, whether it's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, or just generally to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I'm sure one of those stuck out to you as something that you can adopt into your life in order to fight against the schemes of the enemy.